You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Everybody, welcome to a very special edition of Tunnel Vision. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and we're joined by USC cornerbacks coach Dante Williams. Follow him on Twitter at Coach D, D E E underscore USC. Coach, uh, thanks for coming on with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you uh, holding up during this whole quarantine stuff? You got a little beard going too. We both got some beards going. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying. This is my first time in my life. I've never had any facial hair. So. I'm trying to act like I'm trying to grow it back. I'm growing my hair back and everything right now. They think I'm joking, but I'm going to show up the first day with, with cornrows. Nice. Oh, so here, let me put a picture of you up when you first got to USC. So a little yeah. more a little more clean cut than, uh, I know, it's, it's kind of like you have to do it as a dude. You have to, like, grow your hair and facial hair and stuff. I'm trying, you know. I'm just going to last for one day at work, and then the next day I'm going to come back regular. Right now I'm trying to, trying to be Wolverine. Yeah, well, that's, uh, I mean, it's been really interesting uh, for you. I mean, just going from one program to another is always a challenge. And there's got to be a lot of things for you. I mean, you were trying to sell a house in Oregon, moving back to Southern California with all this quarantine stuff going on. How, how have you been handling it all? Uh, to be honest, I, I just work. And then I've been trying to get back in shape because I think all my players think I'm joking, but I'm going to come back in better shape than them. So, I mean, really, that's all I've been doing. I wake up in the morning like, 6.30, eat breakfast, go right to work, and then I stay working until probably about 2 a.m. in the morning. The uh, Are you doing, like, some of the Aaron Osmus uh, workouts and stuff? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, double A, you know, we can't all look like him and be as strong as him, but at least I can do some cardio. So, I mean, that's what I've been on right now. This Peloton, I end up getting a bike and a treadmill. I, like, live on the Peloton now. Nice. Uh, yeah, when I, I remember I talked to Aaron Osmus before this, and he wasn't real big on the whole, like, cardio things and stuff. He was more about strength training do you have like uh weights and stuff at your house to do that or uh, a little bit but you know like i say for me now getting older i want to make sure i'm in shape i got to be able to run around so i need to stay active i need to stay running i don't go outside very much so the more running i can do inside the better yeah no it's good trying to do whatever we can here um you were so when you first came down uh, i was talking to brandon sauce i think you were on the same floor as him uh at the usc hotel but then you had to go back to Oregon and sell your house. Like, what's been going on there? Are you back in Southern California now, or where are you? Yeah, Brandon is my uh, – he's my floor roommate. So, okay. Yeah, we definitely was, you know, like we walk to work and leave work together. But, I mean, like definitely, you know, a little bit of going back and forth, trying not to do it as much because I haven't been flying. So, anytime I do it, I've been driving, you know. So, I kind of go a little bit back, back and forth a little bit. But it's okay. It's all working out. The uh, we kind of talked about this in that introductory press conference, which was right before spring football. But maybe just kind of a quick recap. What was the main reasons for your decision to move uh, to Southern California, go from Oregon to USC? Uh, I had to do a lot of things, some personal reasons, definitely. And then, you know, 
SC is always, it's a dream job of mine. You know, it's, it's a, I mean, it's luckily and dream to have the chance to even come back home for one. And I mean, I always thought of SC as a gold mine and it still is a gold mine. And I think it always will be. And, you know, it has so much to sell from academics to athletics to socially. I mean, that, that in itself sells. And then, but when you get so many people that are on the same page from, you know, the AD, assistant AD, head coach, assistant coaches. And I know, you know, what USC, what it can be, what it should be, and what it is going to be. And to see all those people that have the same vision, I mean, is a great thing. Coordinators, everybody. So, I mean, that was definitely a, a big plus. But, you know, I definitely have, you know, some personal reasons as well. So to have all everything in line and, you know, to, to go to a place where I feel so wanted and where I would like to be, I mean, that's, that's all. That's huge for me. The, uh, you've made a lot of stops in your coaching career. Is there any couple of coaches maybe that you've really felt have been uh, huge influences on your, you know, as you, uh, you as a coach and as a recruiter? Uh, I mean, definitely. I mean, so you, I mean, you name them. Definitely people have had strong imp impacts on me. I mean, from Demetrius Martin to Tosh LaFoy to, you know, to Sark to Cristobal to Mike Riley. I mean, it's so many, Marcel Yates, there's so many to name that I've been fortunate to be around a lot of good coaches from Keith Hayward to Andy Avalos. I mean, it's a lot of guys. And, you know, like I've been fortunate because, you know, sometimes they say, you know, you work with certain people, you learn things to do and things not to do. I've been fortunate to be around a lot of people to learn things, what to do and how to do them. And, you know, you take those things and you take it and mix it with the things that you already have as a person and you mix all those things together. The uh, that I mentioned the early pre-spring kind of press conference that you had all the new assistant coaches, all six of you, plus uh, Graham Harrell spoke to us. I mean, one of the best things I think the athletic department did, we got a really, you know, 20, 30 minutes with each of you guys to kind of get a feel for what it was like. Um, how long ago does that feel for you? Because it seems like that was like years ago. Uh, that seems like a whole beard ago. That seems like almost <laughs> two years ago. It, it's crazy because I feel like, you know, Right when things were starting to roll and everything was going already in the right direction, you know, that's when, you know, this whole virus hit. And, you know, since since then, it's like, you know, I felt that maybe things would fizzle out a little bit, but it's great to see how we're all working together and we're all on the same page. And I mean, the momentum is just it's a snowball effect. It's continued to go. It's definitely not slowing down at all. The uh, one of the things you said, I think, when early on, um, that you could impact. Someone asked you about recruiting. You're, you're, you know, you were the reigning Pac-12 recruiter of the year according to 24/7 Sports. Um, you know, assistant coach there. You said that you could impact recruiting. I think the quote was greatly, um, and that it certainly seemed like that. I know you can't talk about specific guys, but how do you feel recruiting is gone? Because at the time you'd only been on campus for a couple of weeks. You've got, you know, th there's been a lot of commitments over that that time. Do you feel like it's going as you expected? Maybe a little better, a little worse. How, how do you feel it's been going so far? Uh, I mean, I'm one of the people who I always just believe in finishing first. So I always feel like it can be going better. Uh, you know, definitely you always want to make sure you achieve the best. And that's what I think, you know, the, the vision of everyone at USC is to be the best. We don't want to be tied for first. We don't want to be second. Don't want to be third, like just the best first place. It's like almost like some Talladega nights, like Ricky Bobby, you know, <laughs> so we definitely want to be first in everything that we do. So, and that's as a collective, that's as a whole. I think, you know, really we're working extremely, extremely well together. And that's everyone, you know, the new guys in the building, the guys that was already in the building and we're mixed well together. It's a lot of great personalities.
The uh, one of my favorite quotes you had, not just because I asked you this question, but I asked you about you know what it takes to be a great recruiter, uh, and and you had said if you're going to be up for 24 hours, you have to be recruiting for 24 hours and not 23. Has that reached like a new level during this quarantine? How you're recruiting? Uh, nah, I mean it's it's definitely a lot more. I guess you could say FaceTimes now, and you know like things like that with Zoom and. You know, the technology that's out there at first, I guess, used to be a lot more text messages. Now, you know, you have a lot more free time to get guys on the phone and actually talk to them so they could actually fill out your personality and you could fill out theirs. So I guess that has changed where you technically have a little more free time, even though if you may maybe don't, you make time. Uh, I always thought, you know, like time is the one thing that is priceless. So it's the one thing that you can never trade in or anything like that. So to basically, you know, for these young men to give me their time and vice versa. I think that that goes a long way. The uh, the hashtag that you started, uh, I believe you started, hashtag Take Back the West. When you wrote that, I think it was in a Twitter post, did you have like a long-term vision for it that it was going to be like the slogan this many months later? Uh, or did it just kind of happen naturally and the coaches, everyone else kind of picked up with it and started running with it? Uh, definitely collective. So. I think it's something that as a collective group, we decided that, you know, that's the mantra for this year. I mean, right now, this year is take back the West. And then, you know, you never have really, I think, the same goals. Like, I think the following year will be something else, you know, after, you know, we leave that for after this season. But right now, it's definitely take back the West. And, you know, that's what we plan to do. And that's what we are going to do. The, uh, to take back something, you had to have lost at USC, you know, was the recruiting power on the West Coast. I think Oregon's. Uh, had that uh, you know uh, title the last couple of years, but for you on the recruiting trail, have you seen a reaction from players at all, or pro you know potential players prospects that were, well, we're we're hearing a lot more from USC than we were in the past. Or what have you seen from their reaction as far as like the recruiting uh, process or effort you guys are putting in now as opposed to what it was before? Uh, to be honest, I really don't touch too much on what it was before because that I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, I kind of just know of everything that's happening right now. Right now, we have a great reaction from a lot of players that we're recruiting. And, you know, it, and like I said, we're doing it as a whole, whether it's, you know, the O-line coach reaching out to DBs or me reaching out to O-linemen. It, it goes across the whole staff, you know, and all these guys are doing a great job. And I would, you know, it'd be one thing if it was just me working like that or me working just as hard. It's not. It's all of us. And you can tell because when you talk to any player when I talk to DVs they just don't say well Dante I only talk to you they're talking to everyone and that goes down the list I mean some of these kids I'm sure that you interview and talk to they say the same thing yeah it's interesting you mentioned that it doesn't look like you guys are at least right now in the quarantine you're not recruiting only by position or your region um we asked uh we did an article about you recently uh, Gerard Martinez did and Brandon Huffman had a quote and I'll read it for you he said he builds that relationship with kids so even though he might not be their position coach he lets them know he's still going to be there for them. Uh, they may still need to talk to the linebacker coach or the defensive line coach, but those kids feel like Dante will have their back. He builds up trust and makes guys feel comfortable. He kind of serves as a life coach for them. Uh, is that kind of your approach to do this, where it doesn't have to be your position or even your region? You want to just, sorry, uh, you know, bring them in for the whole program? Uh, I mean, so first thing with the region, SC has no region. If it's a player in Germany, we're going to get the player in Germany. Okay. It's no, it's no reason when it comes, in my opinion, to USC. I think the brand can reach anywhere. Uh, but when it comes to actual, like, the players of any position, if we have a, if I have a relationship with them, especially 
then it's it's a lot easier. And I'm starting to get to the point to the age where now guys I've played with their parents or I know their older cousins. So it's a little bit, the trust factor is a little different now because it's not just with the kid, it's with the families as well. And that, you know, reaches across our staff. Like we have so many staff members that are from Texas or Pennsylvania or different parts of the region where, you know, those guys have built up trust in that area. So they may help me a little more in Texas and I may help them a little more in California. And we're doing a great job of working together, bridging that gap. The uh, name, image and likeness stuff is kind of popular now. I talked to um, Vixa Oto and he was pretty excited about it as far as recruiting goes, thinking that Los Angeles is going to be, that'd be a big boom. I've talked to some other people and they're like, well, then, you know, we don't know. We obviously, we don't know all the rules and stuff with that. Is that something you guys are preparing for? And do you feel like, name, image, and likeness would be a, a boom for, for USC recruiting. I'll put it this way. I wish I was still playing because, I mean, <laughs> God, I mean, it's a way to, you know, get your degree and you're actually getting paid for getting your degree. And I do think LA will be, you know, big time in that because it's the number one college media market in the world. When you have the number one college media market in the world, you have so many things going on in LA when it comes to selling products, whether it's a car or commercials or movies. It's so much to sell that I don't see how LA cannot be. Yeah. Well, a lot of other places in the world doesn't have too many manufacturers or too many businesses, particularly in that area. SC is kind of, I mean, LA is kind of involved in everything and so is California. And the brand, like I say, speaks for itself. We don't we don't know all the, the guidelines. They, they were putting these uh, guardrails in place and everything. Do you feel it's something that star players could take advantage of only, or is it could be something guys up and down the roster, it could be beneficial for everyone? Uh, I think in, in the long run, it can be beneficial for everyone. I think to start off, it may be a little bit of a star player, but I think in the long term, it could be beneficial for everyone. I think, uh, you know, in college sports, nobody really just steps on campus and nowadays is a star. It's not like the NFL when you get drafted. In college, it's kind of like you grow to become that star. And, you know, the biggest thing is making sure these guys stay level-headed where they don't feel like they're already in the NFL even though they're in college. You know, what you don't want to make is college just completely just a business for these kids because some guys, who I think, will stop focusing on the number one goal, which is their degree. Yeah. Like, that's the number one thing. So I want to make sure that that's always first. And this is just part of it, you know, part of the, I guess, the hard work that they're putting into it that they could benefit off of. It. We had a uh, question on YouTube from uh, Mike. Uh, besides persistence, what qu uh, qualities make you a dynamic recruiter? Fight on for Mike. Uh, I mean, recruiting is a little overblown. I think number one thing is being a coach, a developer, a mentor, someone that someone can count on no matter if it's three o'clock in the morning or it's 6 a.m. Uh, I think recruiting comes with part of the job. So even when people call me like a recruiter, it's kind of like backwards in my opinion. It, it used to, I used to cringe over it. Now, you know, I just, I just roll with it because it's a coach and recruiting is part of the job. And, you know, I just happen to be a person, I think that, I'm going to work at it consistently all the time. And you have to be, you know, willing to evolve with the times, I guess, per se. The same way I'm recruiting right now is not the way I recruited last year. And just like every kid is different. I'm not a person that's going to copy and paste text messages or because I tell one kid one thing, I'm going to tell the very next kid the same thing. Every conversation is unique, just like every kid is unique. The uh, You talk about changing from year to year. I don't know if you could have a bigger change to go from you know, everything normal to coronavirus, you know, right. quarantine recruiting. Right. What is that? How different has that been for you guys? It's a, this extended dead period. We don't even know when it's going to end. Uh, I mean, it's it's tough. 
because you would like, you know, for these people to see you in face, parents, families, kids, and you would like to be in face with them, especially, you know, you take away the evaluations and everything else. But I mean, the number one thing right now is everyone's family and making sure that everyone is healthy. I guess that's, you know, like big when it even comes to me right now. Like I don't just call kids or talk to kids to, you know, have them get me on the phone to just ask about football and recruit them. I think right now the biggest thing is making sure everybody's healthy. And the first question I, I ask is, you know, how are you doing and how is your family doing? Um, we've got a question from Steve on YouTube. Sorry, I didn't pull it up on the screen, Steve. But he said, uh, you had an amazing success at Oregon. Now that you're settled in with USC, are you sensing the same level of intensity and spirit that you saw with the Ducks, uh, COVID aside? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a great way to start. You know, it's hard to say. I think, you know, at that particular place, I was there for two years and you saw that growth happen over a period of two years. I think right now we're just now starting and, you know, the virus and the pandemic kind of put us on hold a little bit because we were the most number one, most important thing is our, our players that are currently on the team. And, you know, not to be able to touch those guys right now, as far as the continued growth of learning the defense or learning the new techniques or seeing how well, because I mean, all the coaches, we still have staff meetings and everything every day to see how well we get along together. For them to also see, you know, basically our relationships grow is tough right now because they don't get a chance to feel that and see that. So I think that is like, you know, put a little bit of a, you know, it's hard right now when it comes to that, when it comes to the growth of our own players, the development, the techniques, the understanding of the things we want, because the biggest thing also is making sure the culture is always improving, not staying the same, but always improving. And that's hard a lot to do with just through Zoom. The, yeah, with the Zoom stuff. How are, often are you meeting with your position group with those players? Is it Zoom meetings, you know, a couple times a week? Are you on text threads? Like, how has that communication been? Uh, I mean, it's the NCAA is mandated, you know, how, how many hours that you can technically meet with them. But, I mean, we all meet right to the point, you know, right before it's the max. And, you know, we've been on break a little bit because, you know, all our players have finals, you know, being a semester school. So we've been on break to make sure they can enjoy that and do everything they need to do to make sure they continue working toward their degree. And, you know, we'll start back up here pretty soon. You had one spring practice. Uh, I think, uh, I forget, oh, it was um, Drake Jackson said he'd watched the tape like 50 times. Have you gone over it a lot? Did you have any initial impressions from that one chance you had to to go with your new players? I mean, I, I guess the benefit of, because we had some spring conditioning sessions before that, and I, I, I think that was a big benefit. So we had actually, yes, one spring practice, but we had a lot more time to be around the players due to the spring conditioning. So it's, you know, it's a little better of a relationship than people may think because one practice, you don't build anything. But just to sit there and go through the spring conditioning with these guys and be on the field with them, watching them run around and move around and be able to correct little things that, you know, maybe correct their technique or their running style, whatever the case. And, you know, with AA and the whole strength staff also being there, I, I think that, you know, we went by their lead. So that's definitely a plus to where we're a little more farther ahead than just one practice. It looked like there was some interesting stuff going on, at least on the one-on-ones. Did anything stand out to you from that that single practice? Uh, yeah. I mean, shoot, for my guys, they they all know. So I, I think they all thought at times that they had really good plays and really good practices, uh, really good practice, and I would just get on them because it's just certain things. I, I think the biggest way in college, I think a lot of these guys have to learn how to practice 
Because once you do step and, you know, you leave college and get to NFL, no one touches the ground. There's no unnecessary contact. I think the guys were really, really competitive. I was almost shocked at how competitive they were, like, to a, to a good level. I mean, it was friendly competition. But at the same time, learning how to practice the right way, I think that would be key, not just trying to go out there and do something crazy that impresses me. And I think uh, even when they made a play, I think they thought they was going to get kudos and I was going to be happy that they made the play. But if you make it the wrong way, I'm still all over you. I don't care. Yeah. Well, what maybe that's a good segue to talking about your coaching style because, you know, fans were supposed to be able to come out to practice. They obviously get that one opportunity to get to really see what you're like as a coach out on the field. How would you describe your coaching style? Uh, I'm definitely, definitely uh, intense, but I don't hold grudges. So I may get on you, you know, but 10 seconds later, I'm on to the next play. And I guess that even comes from me being a DB and coaching DBs for so long. I, you know, you can't be caught up on the last play that just happened. If you caught up on the last play that happened, then another play is going to happen on you. So you have to make sure you make the corrections right there and able to move on to the next play. And I don't hold grudges with kids. I mean, nobody goes out there and say, you know what, on this play, I'm going to blow this coverage or miss this tackle or give up this catch. It's not like that. I'm more of a corrector to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Yeah. Are there some chances, though, where it's like, yeah, the player's not trying to make a bad play, but if you want them to be covering a certain zone or something and they're trying to make a bigger play than what's asked of them, so it's more of like, hey, I'm taking this chance and I blow the play because I was trying to do something that my coaches didn't want me to do, but I wanted to like get the interception or whatever. Do you, does that kind of stuff happen? Uh, yeah, but at the same time, like I'm more of a take care of your job, then you can help someone else. If you don't take care of your own job and you just go take care of somebody else's stuff, then I'm going to be all over you. <laughs> Once you take care of your job and then you're able to go help someone else, then we're doing things the right way. Yeah. Uh, we got another YouTube question. This is, uh, uh, we have, which players stood out to you the most before coming to USC and during the short spring practice that we had? Thanks, uh, Brendan from Minnesota. Uh, I, I would say probably the player that stood out the most to me before I came to USC probably was Amra. Uh, and I think just, and it's probably because I guess preparing to play against the receivers that he was, uh, I mean, you get that guy matched up on slots and safeties and linebackers, he could be a problem. And I think our receivers as a whole, because you look at him and Tyler Bonds, and those are NFL players. I think they're well coached. I think they're really, really good players. I, I guess before coming to SC, I didn't, you know, really look at their defense. I always looked at their offense because of playing the game to, to play against them. So I, I guess those receivers are really good. Coach really well, good players. Uh, shoot, I love Kerry. Been knowing Kerry forever. So, I think that, you know, we take advantage of those weapons. And I guess since being at SCA, the, I guess the guy that probably surprised me the most probably is OG. I think that's a top-notch corner. Like, you know, Chris, I've been knowing for forever and already knew those guys. But I think OG is definitely a guy that has shocked me, and I'm looking for big things from him. The uh, the defensive scheme, I guess the Todd Orlando, it's more of like that tight front. Has that changed the way you've coached defensive backs, knowing the the change in scheme that you guys have? Uh, well, we're definitely multiple. I don't think it, you know, it changes because Todd Orlando is a great teacher. So before we even go on the field, he's going to make sure that I'm on the page that, that I need to be on with him and with the defense. And he's not, you know, by any means just, this is the only way it's going to do. You know, he's definitely a guy that's going to hear you out with everything. And he gives everyone a voice. And that's why, you know, it's great to work with him, for him, and everything else. He's a great, 
coach, teacher. So he makes sure that I'm on his page and definitely call me up to where the defense needs to be. And hopefully we continue to keep growing and we will. So it's a, you know, secondary where you're coaching corners, Craig Nivar, who come, came over with Todd Orlando coaching the safeties. Uh, what's the dynamic between you two been like uh, now that you guys have had some time together? Uh, I, I think it's even a little better than that. I think, you know, Craig can coach the corners all he wants and, I'm pretty sure you have to ask him, but he would feel the same way if I probably talked to a safety. You know, we, we work together. We just don't work corners and safeties, you know, and that's the way that it has to be in the secondary. If only a corner listens to a corner, we're going to have problems because the communication between those groups is a family right yeah. there. You have to be on the same page. So me and Craig are definitely on the same page. And, you know, as, as a whole defensively, I mean, even if Vic talked to a DB, the DB is going to listen. We're all on the same page together, and all of us are coaching everyone on the defense. It's just what we have by, like, name is just the titles we have, but we all coach the defense. What was that uh, kind of initial conversations you've had with Craig Nivar? Because, you know, you're known as a great recruiter, but when we talked to you in that pre-spring presser, you were like, I don't know if he's sp spoken, but you got to talk to him. That guy has more energy than I do. Like, is it recruiting with him? Has it been good too? I mean, just, you know, you guys have strong personalities recruiting. Has it worked well together? I put it like this. Uh, Craig, I believe is in Texas right now. Okay. And I may get text messages from Craig also at midnight. <laughs> and if I'm getting text messages from, and it's not like a text where it's like he just woke up. It's like a detailed text. So that's two o'clock in the morning for him. And he's still wide awake texting me. And then at the same time, I woke up from text messages from him. So not only did was he still up at two something in the morning, but he was up at the crack of dawn. Yeah. Right. So, and I guess that shows it's like I say, it's not just me. It's all of these guys. So we're all working our tails off and, you know, I feed off of that because it needs maybe a day when I may be lagging or a little tired, but then when I know someone like Craig is working their they butts off, it's going to make me do the same. I uh, want to go through the some of the guys at your position group. Just maybe get a just a few thoughts on each of them. I'll put up a picture. Like uh, we can start with Chris Steele. Um, I know you recruited him, and you know he had an interesting journey. But what what are your initial thoughts on uh, Chris Steele? Uh, hard nosed, smart, gritty. Uh, Chris is going to do everything I asked of him, plus him. So Chris is, I mean, so competitive that like I told him even the other day. Sometimes I got to like calm him down because he's so competitive. And, you know, you're going to get everything you want out of Chris. If you ask for 100%, you're going to get 110. You mentioned uh, OG Elijah Griffin. Like, uh, any uh, thoughts on him? He seems like a fun personality for your group. Uh, playmaker. So that's, you know, like like you say, a fun personality. Sometimes I got to calm him down with that. <laughs> he's done a good job because he's definitely someone who, you know, once he's honed in and truly focused, he's everything you want at that position. So, and right now I, I, I can see as a whole, as a, you know, a collective group, as a family, we've all brought into the same page. The uh, ITS to go with Isaac Taylor Stewart. I don't know if you know if he's healthy right now or anything also. Uh, ITS is going to be amazing. And one thing I, why I would say that is because every day he's going to rehab, uh, he checks in. Like, you know, all these guys, when you get a new coach sometimes, it's, you know, you got to buy into each other as far as personalities. And he's definitely someone that's brought into personality. I'm really looking forward to getting him on the field because, I mean, just you don't find 6'1", 6'2", 200-pound corners that run 4'3". Yeah, that's like one in a million. So to have one of those guys, I can't wait to, you know, start coaching. 
Uh, I want to mention uh, Greg Johnson. Now, I'm not sure you guys, you know, coach the whole secondary. I'm not sure if you know which uh, direction he's going to go. If he's nickel safe, wherever we, I don't know where you want him, but maybe talk about Greg Johnson. Uh, he's definitely a guy that could do it all. And like I said, Greg is someone, another person I had a long relationship with because when I was at Arizona, he was committed to me for a while. So oh, yeah. don't go, you know, darn near down an alley and get into a fight. Greg <laughs> is probably the number one person I'm going to pick with me. So, and that's what some of these games are going to be. They're going to be dog fights. And I know Greg is going to always be there with me. And damn near, he's probably going to be in front of me. So that's the kind of person you want. Yeah, I forgot that he was committed to you for quite a while over there. Um, Interesting prospect out of Sarah. Uh, I mean, it, you know, he's not USC has been recruiting a lot of bigger cornerbacks, but you look at a guy like Max Williams, just seems like has a ton of heart. What have you seen uh, from Max or what do you think about Max? Uh, you said, you know, if you just went on the scale from zero to 10 and said IQ is, you know, the top notch IQ is a 10, Max is the 11, you know, and he's going, he's a sponge because anytime you tell Max any little thing, he's going to go out there and do it. So you better make sure you told him the right thing. And, you know, he's definitely a person that's continuing to grow because he came off a knee injury. I think a lot of people forget that his senior year, he did not play high school. And anytime you have a, you know, a devastating leg injury like he had, it always takes two years to come back. Yeah. And Max, you know, he pushes and willed his way back onto the field. And I doubt he was probably 75%. So you, you, the best of him is still yet to come. I'll just mention a couple more, a couple of younger guys. Uh, Jaden Williams, thoughts there? Uh, so Jaden is another guy right now who he's becoming more and more of a complete corner. I think, you know, even like when high school, you look at that size, you look at, I mean, he's a smart player, makes plays, you know, great tackler. Uh, when you look at that guy, I think in high school, just based off his size and his intangibles, a lot of people stayed away from him. In college, now you're starting to realize the technical aspect of playing that position. And Jaden, like, I mean, all these guys are extremely young. So Jaden, the ceiling is extremely high. And then what well, last one we'll go over, uh, Adonis Ote. Thoughts there, speedster. Uh, Adonis is definitely, so even in spring right now working out, you know, he had surgery on his thumb and everything else. So he was in a cast, but you could damn sure see, you know, like he was starting, It was the light was starting to turn and he was starting to improve a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, good, good group. I, anyone I missed there that's in your... Uh... Office. I don't want to like leave anybody out, but I just grabbed the pictures I have. But Dorian, I would. Definitely... Oh, okay. Is he going to play safety or is he going to play corner? Or... Uh, Dorian is going to play corner right now, but he's he's more like in that Greg Johnson role. Okay. He can play probably anywhere you put him on the field. You know, we're fortunate we have a couple guys that can play all over, and Dorian is one of those guys. All right. Uh, we had another question on YouTube. Uh, would love to know how Clay Helton contacted uh, Dante Williams and how that connection began. How did that uh, start up? Uh, I guess it was a lot of mutual people. And I've been, I mean, I just didn't meet, you know, Clay, Coach Helton, just now when it's happened. You know, a lot of coaches, I guess, we all know each other and we have been knowing each other. So I've been knowing Clay for, for a while. It wasn't something that just came out the blue and one day he called me. And I guess, you know, you could probably say Gavin probably, you know, streamed us back together. And, you know, Gavin was a, a big part of it. Yeah, Gavin Moore seems to, to know everybody, too. Is that, I mean, that's part of the whole, it's the relationships aspect, right? You have to have relationships with people and be able to recall names. And, oh, I remember I talked to his mom or whatever. It just seems, then you connect people that way. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's funny because Gavin and, you know, one of my uh, my first cousins, 
are have been friends since they were in high school, young in high school. So me and Gavin didn't know each other for a long time. This wasn't, you know, we just didn't meet through coaching. We knew each other way before coaching. And okay. just so happened that we're in the same place and, you know, working together. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm sure he loves the the help that you that you guys are bringing because he was he was doing a lot, but <laughs> I don't want to say by himself, but he was doing a lot. There was a lot of hats. Um, the uh, talking about the season, like you guys are trying to prepare for a season, you don't know when you can practice or anything. Clay Elton came on the uh, there was a Pac-12 webinar yesterday and talked about hey, you could potentially just play all conference games. There's a lot of options on the table. Um, USC's got some great tradition though with non-conference games. Play Notre Dame every year. Potential to open the season with Alabama this year. Is that something you've sold to players? And like, how important is it to get games like that in there? If, you know, you just want to play a season. You want everyone to be healthy. But is that something you really guys want to do? You, you look forward to. You want to play games like the Alabama Notre Dame games? To be honest, that's way above my pay grade. <laughs> and I don't care who shows up and where we have to play them. Uh, I know one thing that if we are playing football, then that's great because, I mean, it's pretty much like, you know, the virus, you know, we all moved forward from the virus. And that's the biggest thing. Like I say, everyone's staying healthy, but I don't care who it is or where it is. You know, that's my my opinion about it. As long as you give me a couple of days to get ready for that opponent, then I'm fine. Do you use the marquee games as a recruiting tool a lot of times? Like, hey, you can come. You're going to be on national television playing Notre Dame or Alabama or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, because if you at USC, every game is a big television game, in my opinion, because just because it may not be the biggest opponent that people think, you know, in the eyes of SC to that team that we're playing against, them beating SC is a big deal. So it's still a big game for us because we have to get ready for that opponent, no matter who it is. The uh, from your perspective as a coach. What was your reaction to the the couple of hires that J USC just announced recently, uh, the video hires of Jacob uh, Brown and Will Stout to kind of help? And really, we've seen that. I'll put that video up they just did, which I make a cameo in the very beginning, which I love the video because I'm, that's my the first voice you hear. You won't hear it now, but I'll just put the video up there. Um, thoughts on that? Uh, so my opinion when they first hired him, because I, I mean, I, I'm kind of – I really don't pay attention to other schools and some of the work they, they were doing. So I kind of was like, okay, yeah, all right, you know, big deal, you know. I mean, that's kind of how it was at first when they first hired them. Then I, I looked and saw the work that they were doing at their previous school. I thought it was a phenomenal hire. And then I saw the video that they put together, you know, showcasing uh, USC and LA and California. I mean, I can't, what they were going to do as far as helping us promote the school, the university, the football program, I can't even put it into words. Those guys are going to be phenomenal for us. Uh, and we have to just make sure we go out there and give them everything to sell and put it together video-wise. But, wow, I mean, that's a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous asset that we have now. Yeah, the I'm putting the video now. Sorry, it didn't start right when I first put it up there. But is it – this is, you know, this is how recruiting's changed, right? You weren't using things like this you know, five years ago, and now there's these, these kind of opportunities for you to use as a, a recruiter. And, I mean, like I say, it's, it's part of, I guess, like I say, the, the trendsetter. You know, now I'm pretty sure you're going to look up and some other school is probably going to try to have a video out next week about the same kind of thing. But at the same time, we're USC. We did it first. And by next week, when they're on something like this, we're going to be on something else. Nice. And that's how it's going to continue to go. Um. So how important is it 
for you as an assistant coach to have a support staff that can help you uh, in recruiting? Very, very important. Very. I mean, uh, you look at some of these big time schools nowadays, uh, just like USC is like their support staffs are huge and they're tremendous assets. You know, as long as everybody is understands their job description and does it to the best, it's like a well-oiled machine. And right now that's what we're building. You know, we're in the beginning stage and we're making sure we built the foundation of it. And, you know, once the foundation is laid, then you start building that house brick by brick. And next thing you know, you have a mansion. Awesome. Well, Dante Williams, uh, I'm gonna, there was a Twitter Twitter comment I want to put up. They said the video was, uh, Mike says that video is fire. It's pretty good, especially the first three seconds because it's my voice. So that's great. No, just uh, that, was, that was really weird. Like, I think I talked about you guys picked up a bunch of commitments or something in, you know, a couple of days. And uh, yeah, so no, the video was fire. I mean, that's, it was weird because there's US, some USC fans were kind of complaining like, oh, why are you making a big deal out about this? But you as an ace recruiter who doesn't need those kind of things, if you're that excited about it, then I think USC fans should be excited about it. It just seems to change the game a little bit. I think SC fans will be really, really excited about the video if they understand how recruits responded and acted toward the video. Yeah. When they, when they saw the video and how they responded, acted toward it, or even our own players, I mean, it's, if you watch that video and you actually have the sound on and you're watching and listening to it, you almost get chills watching it. You almost feel like, how could you not want to be at USC? Yeah. No, it's, it, it, it makes sense to me. I mean, I'm an older guy. It's like, it's not, it's not going <laughs> to resonate with me the same, but you, I watch it. It's like, that's pretty impressive, you know? And if you're a 17 year old kid, it has to be, uh, I would think it's impressive as well. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many of us can put together something like that? You may give me the next three years and I can come close to that. So for them to be able to put that together like that, I mean, that's tremendous. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, those guys looked like they were the best at what they did. And right. USC made the decision to go out and hire them. And I think that's the big deal. You're one of the best around. They went out to hire you. I think that the shift there, the USC fans need to understand that the hiring practices have changed. Like they're going out, you guys are going out and trying to hire the best people at what you do and, and help you everyone do a better job. If they understand what Mike, Brandon, and Clay are doing right now, as far as making sure they go out there, evaluate, and find the best people and hiring the best people, I think people will understand why we're taking back the West and why we're back being where we should be. Right. Like, I mean, there's no limit right now to the things that we're trying to do. Dante Williams, USC quarterback coach and passing game coordinator, correct? For yeah, not yeah. offensively, defensively. You're not like yeah, nah. you're not working with Keaton Slovis and uh, Tyler. Nah. Yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm trying to pick Keaton off. He could just throw a pass in practice. And I'm just gonna go pick it off. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, we really appreciate your time. Follow him on Twitter at Coach D underscore USC. Also on Instagram, same. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Which uh, which uh, platform do you use the most? Uh, definitely Twitter. Twitter, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Definitely, definitely Twitter. The recruits are still there. Like, it seems like recruits do a bunch of Instagram stuff too, but like the, I don't know, I guess there's dip for different things. Yeah, it's for different things and different people. I mean, by any means necessary, if you need to get a hold of a kid, you're going to find and get a hold of that kid. Yeah. Uh, do you, so there's something guys like, oh, I know I'm going to get this kid on Twitter, but this guy's more on Instagram. Like, you know, there's like certain platforms. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like some people, you better just go ahead and just text them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, by any, like I say, any means necessary, go ahead and make sure you find that person, especially, you know, 
where the way things are recruiting right now, because if you're not contacting the kid or talking to him, somebody else is. Yeah. Well, we really do appreciate your time. Hope you stay safe and get everything settled and everything. And hopefully we're back to normal at some point and talking yes. about real football, but thanks again, uh, Dante for coming on. Thank you. Fight on. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next time. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.